0: Welcome to Wii Universe. Your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to listen to us talk about every single Wii U game, thus saving the military-industrial complex and perpetuating capitalism. I am President Woody Suskowski. I'm Steve Gunley. <laughs> Hi, um, this is a podcast called Wii Universe, which I stated at the beginning, Yes. whereas myself, the president, and Mm. first-in-command Steve (laughs) Guntley play every Wii U game. And the game that we have played today, that we have been assigned to by the Department of Defense, Mm -hmm. is Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell... Blacklist.
1: Yes. And this this uh I, we do expect all of you to destroy this podcast once you're done listening to mm-hmm. it. We
0: cannot let this fall into enemy hands. And don't this just is a stealth podcast. Don't just drag it to the recycle bin, set your phone on fire. Yes. And then encase it in ice and then set that ice on fire. Yes. So burn the ice. And, and yeah. then drop it in acid.
1: Yeah. Uh, to be clear, we are not reimbursing you for your phones, <laughs> no. but we also <laughs> order you to do so this is coming from the president and from the noise that happens when you turn on your night vision goggles exactly um welcome back Thank first you. First, show oh, of, uh, yeah. first show of first show 2022 uh, in the main feed, at least we've been, we've been cranking away on that Patreon, but, uh, how was, how was your lengthy break in which we didn't see each other at all <laughs> and definitely didn't record a podcast? Sure. How was your break that didn't feel like a break? Well, it was, <laughs> it, it
0: was, it was, I was very breaky. I had yeah. a lot of, a lot of time off so much that it kind of disrupted my reliable rut that I usually, uh. Fall back on, and now I'm I'm like waking up out of a daze. I'm like, gotta get that rut back. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's gotta, what I
1: gotta get back in the groove. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it it was it was a nice break. It was nice to get a little extra time. Uh, I played a lot of games. Did you play a lot of games? Did you get anything? Did you, what what have you been playing
0: lately? Uh, I. My roommate was away, so I was able to set aside uh, my living room as a good VR space, and Perfect. I used it to play Thumper. Ooh, um, I've heard that's good. Even though that is not a VR game that really requires much movement, it was the one that I played at the time. Um, it's kind of it's one of those games that's very much designed to get you in the zone. Like it's kind of like a combination of a rhythm game mm. and sort of an on-rail
1: shooter so or it's, it's like is it kind of like um amplitude or whatever that game of frequency? Is? Yes, yeah. it
0: is. It's kind of like um you know, you just a high speed racer where you try to time your as you hit the turns and time to music, and yeah. it basically every level looks like the final level of Star Fox. Cool, where you're okay. fighting Andross, who becomes like a weird face. I like that. Um, it's not a game I can play for like a ton of time, um, aside from just the constraints of VR, mm-hmm. but also um, it really does require a lot of focus. And each stay, each level is like twenty stages long. Yeah. Um, but it it is a cool game if you're into those kind of zone out and just try and feel the rhythm type of thing, and it's perfectly playable, um, not in VR. Cool. Um, yeah, which I think th- is maybe a maybe a better way to play it because I was trying to stream it from my uh, computer to my headset, which generally worked pretty well, but occasionally there was like hiccups in the timing, which really messes up that kind of game. For that kind of game, you're like yeah.
1: totally screwed if you don't have a very reliable yeah. connection. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I played a couple of games. Uh, I, I very randomly played Paper Mario. Uh, it popped up on that uh, Nintendo Switch N64 service. Hooray! And I'm like, oh, let's try Second out how best this best game on the
0: Nintendo 64, yeah, as we decided. I, I
1: stand by it. I rolled credits on that son bitch. It was great. That's a, it was, that's a crunchy, big, long game. It is. It's not bad Yeah, but it was, it was a joy to play through. Uh, I weirdly had a lot of muscle memory for this game that yep. I only played, like, uh, one time <laughs> back when it was new, but... It was great. It holds up. Uh, I think it works really well on the Switch. I also uh, rolled credits on Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, the new Square Enix game from that. Uh, really, very good. A very. It's it's. Uh you know, they're replacing the voice cast and, like, the different uh, models and everything like that, so it doesn't look exactly like the movies or the comic books or anything. Very Canadian, which I appreciated, <laughs> Like, very, very Canadian, but um, really quite good and uh really satisfying story and a longer game than I was expecting,
0: too. So nice. I, I felt like I got my money's worth out of that.
1: And then lately, I've really been digging deep into Disco Elysium, finally.
0: Oh, you know? we I've, talked about that as one we've always had our eyes on. I've right? had my eye
1: on it. You know, it, it is... Uh, so much more reading than I'm used to doing in games anymore. Like this game is like, it weirdly reminds me of infinite jest. It's not quite as inscrutable, but like, the conceit of the game is that you're. Just you to be
0: clear to listeners, Steve mm-hmm. didn't just bring up Infinite Descent because he's like a random pretentious douchebag. I am that. But we, no. we we did, we did a, did a podcast. podcast on it a, we did, while, a yeah, long just time friends ago. So. Check it out, still out there. So it, it is actually relevant. Yes, it um, is. Uh, yeah. So, but it's
1: it's because the conceit is that like your character doesn't remember who they are, kay. and so you've got all these different aspects of your personality like chiming in and trying. So, like depending on your character class. You're gonna have different parts of your personality trying to influence you one way or the other, and there's oh, like, strange. and it's not just like you know your emotions. It's weird things like Inland Empire or Savoir Faire or things I mean, like that. That, that. that sounds very infinite jesty, very infinite yeah. jesty. It's very snarky. It's very like you're you're not quite sure who the narrator is at any given time. Like it's it's very unusual, and then it's kind of like a noir like. Crime story in this really interesting world. So,
0: so, so are you playing this on Switch? I'm I'm playing it on the Switch. Yeah. And which are uh, you playing it on the handheld mode? Usually. I'm
1: playing it on handheld mode. Usually, it, it works better than I thought it would because, like, you because that is a very mouse-based game. It's right. a very like uh, classic style, like isometric RPG, Baldur's Gate
0: or Planescape Torment.
1: Yeah, but this one you just use your right stick to kind of flick it to to get to the different parts that you can highlight, and it makes it actually cuts out a lot of the busy work of like scrolling around, looking for things that you can interact and with. And the
0: dialogue, it's all still very... Like, the font size is still very readable.
1: Yeah, very readable. Yeah, I'm not really having any problems with it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty great game. It's very... It's intense, and, like... It's not getting less complex as it goes. Like I'm, I'm, okay. yeah, I'm finding it some some of the elements I'm finding even more confusing as I go. But I'm on board. Like I'm, I want to see it
0: through. My only other qu- my other question about it is, when do you play it? Because the thing I struggle with that kind of game yeah. is games that sort of split the difference between reading and playing a video game. Like I like to read a book before if I'm going to read a book. It's mm-hmm. before I go to bed. Yeah, because I find that like relaxes me and is an alternative that doesn't involve a screen. Yeah. Whereas during the day, I want something a little more stimulating. But I don't know, like... I would have trouble like with a game that feels like a book yeah, yeah. during the day. So you play it before bed? I play it? it before
1: bed. Okay. I, I kind of do the same thing because it's not it's not an action game at all. Like, So it's not going to be overstimulating in that way. I don't need to train my reflexes. It is basically just reading. I mean, you could turn up the volume and listen to the voice acting too. Is but, the whole
0: uh, thing voiced if yeah. you wanted that? Okay. the whole
1: thing's voiced. All of your interior voices kind of sound the same, but uh, there's a lot of voice work and... Uh, Just a really impressive amount of world building in that. So yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like, you know, before bed, I want to read something and this is me reading something before (laughs) bed or like I'll just play some music and like turn the game on or something like that. But I can't have something on in the background for this game, you right? Know, like I need kind of uh,
0: uh, some silence. I mean, I can't something. really have anything on the background for any game. That's a See, very that's a very Steve it's particular a, skill. It's
1: it's uh, yeah. my ADD raging sure. <laughs> all the time and just needs constant noise and distraction. Uh, but you know what? Somebody who doesn't need constant noise and distraction, who in fact thrives with silence, mm-hmm. a guy named Sam Fisher.
0: Well, mostly true, Sam yeah. Fisher. Beloved character, Sam Fisher. Beloved, it, yeah, it's been a long time coming. I have a real meaningless fondness for Sam Fisher in the yeah. sense that it was randomly one of the only character video game characters my mom knew the name of. Oh, nice. Uh, because I think at some point in my life, I was walking around our house in a crouched position. Um, <laughs> and she's like, What the hell are you doing? And I'm like, I'm being Sam Fisher. And she's so uh, then t- 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 it stuck with her. So now um, it's that and Edith Finch. Yeah. So now exactly. when you go visit
1: the house, you're crouching around like Edith Finch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, so today we're talking about Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Blacklist. This was released August 20th, 2013, developed by Ubisoft Toronto, published by Ubisoft, and it was also released on Windows, PS3, and 360. A little bit about Ubisoft Toronto. They uh, found, uh, you know, Ubisoft had made its own Montreal-based studio to kind of uh, handle some of the other games, so they chose to open another Canadian satellite branch in 2009. And this studio is run by Jade Jade Raymond, or I think it would probably be Raymond because she's uh, sure. from Montreal. Uh, she became kind of something of a rock star for the company because she helped create some of their biggest franchises. And that includes Assassin's Creed and Watch Dogs, which has
0: been quietly a very successful series for them. Ubisoft has so many series... Yeah. that, like, I don't care about. Like, it's, it, it is know, very... It's, it's
1: it, true. There are some... I like a lot of Ubisoft oh, series, yeah. but there
0: are also a lot, yeah, that I'm like, okay, I, I just don't I, I just forget that there's... I don't know. They're just a reminder of, like, how big of a company Ubisoft is and how many things they have their stamp on yeah that I am often not involved with. Because well, they often, like... And it makes sense. For their ability to, like, pump out the quantity of stuff that they do, often their big games tend to, like, sort of merge into each other. They do. Okay, this element worked in Watch Dogs. Now let's slide this into the next Assassin's Creed game. There is a bit of that for Mm. sure. I mean, kind of to that point, I was
1: prepared to come in here and say, oh, the Tom Clancy series has kind of slowed down in recent years. It's kind of just Rainbow Mm -hmm. Six Siege now. And then I looked at it. It's like, oh, no, not at all. (laughs) Like... There are still many Tom Clancy series active right now. Like that,
0: probably have sold millions of copies. The, the Division is
1: hugely popular. Yeah. End War is hugely popular. Uh, Ghost Recon is still out there. Kicking and again, ass. I like, I, just, and I
0: get so baffled. Like, who is playing these games? Clearly, millions of people, people are. Yeah. But I don't know these people. I've never talked to these people. Yeah. I need I need to like set up on a street corner and is like do you, with a sign that says Do you play The Division? Tell me about it, <laughs> please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me about
1: The Division. There is a Division Two, so. Yeah. Enough people played the Division One uh,
0: again. I I think it's just like an once online. You, yeah, once you sell game. three million copies in Division One, you can graduate and move up to Division Two. Okay, perfect. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how that works. That's, 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 that that's works. the Tom Clancy yeah. League rules.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, you know. They, so there's really no shortage of uh, of, of the T Clants coming up pretty soon. Sure. You know, which D- is his despite
0: nickname. the yeah. this, you know, the significant handicap he has of having been dead for many years.
1: Yeah, yeah, but. since, actually, this, uh, I think this was he, the last game he was alive for, Okay, this game. He died in 2013, so this is the last one. Not that, you know, I assume he was not very hands-on sure. with this series, you know, it's more of a branding and,
0: thing. And it always, I don't know, we talked about this very briefly or while we were playing, but it, I always find it's interesting to think about the people who are, find work, like, Who go to college and are like, I want to be a writer and the job that they get is okay. You can write a novel, but it's going to be under Tom Clancy's name. Like you'll put your name like on the bottom, like on the back spine or something. Right. But like, it's going to say like Tom Clancy's rainbow tomorrow five. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Um, Written by Jeff Herbst. Yeah, and I always just think of like, do, do you think these people like hang out with each other? Like the ghostwriter for Tom Clancy like <laughs> calls up the ghostwriter for John Patterson and then like the ghostwriter for Nora Roberts. <laughs> yep, yeah, It's just like... because
1: well, it, You are talking about the skull that rides a motorcycle, right? The flaming skull guy who rides a motorcycle. They all have their own ghostwriter.
0: Oh, yes, yeah. e- exactly. <laughs> okay, he whips
1: chains around. He's pretty yep. cool. I want to meet Tom Clancy's ghostwriter. <laughs> he just wears like a lot of tactical gear that's yep. always on fire um so you know like uh, the the clancy brand we've covered it a little bit when we talked about rainbow six on the n64 show uh you know it's always associated with like these very militaristic action games and it's got kind of multiple genres there's strategy games there are aerial combat there's and it, first person shooters
0: i mean it, probably less and less this way but it seeks to be grounded in reality yes right? like yeah. I, i'm sure that as you know I think the division is like a post-apocalyptic game or something like that. Sure, so but they still the case, want like,
1: like the tactics and the weapons. It's very important that there are like feel.
0: real weapons and things like that. And yeah. that there's lots of talk about the different rules of the departments that are interacting in the game. Lots of uh, NATO phonetic alphabets being yeah. thrown around. It sometimes know. to the point where you're like, I think they're just making shit up.
1: Yeah. Wait, what's uh? I was I wanted to do we u. So we. What is the u in uh, the NATO phonetic alphabet?
0: Updog? I don't know. Is it Updog? Sure, it's Updog. Yeah, yeah,
1: what's Updog? <laughs> ah, ah. I did it to myself. Uh, all right, so, but uh, Splinter Cell was kind of a unique series for uh, the Tom Clancy kind of like brand because it was a third person action game and it was based around kind of a single character. Like there wasn't really a character like to be the center of Rainbow Six or anything. It was about the squad. It was about the crew, you know, there wasn't really an iconic game character. Yeah, that's fair. But Sam Fisher was being positioned as kind of like the next cool game character because Splinter Cell, when it was uh, first announced, it was going to be the Metal Gear Solid Killer. That was right. kind of what they were aiming for. They were going to do the same kind of satisfying stealth action but Metal Gear Solid 2 had just come out. The plot had gone completely off the rails. (laughs) They didn't even know what they were in for for the next 20 years. Like, (laughs) Metal Gear Solid 2 looks quaint now. But, like, you know, for for people who kind of didn't want to worry about who the clone of the big boss's third niece is now controlling a robotic stingray, like, you know, you could go to Sam Fisher, which is just... Straight up, sneaking around in the shadows, taking out bad guys and saving the day.
0: Yeah, I do feel like that first Splinter Cell game for the original Xbox was kind of a revelation for a couple reasons. Yeah. One, it's an incredible looking game. Like the, To this day, that yeah. game looks fucking great. It's That's a, it, a
1: 2002 game.
0: It is amazing how good that game looked at the time and just how far ahead of everything it it was. And yeah, still holds up very well. Um, and like you said, with the craziness of Metal Gear Solid, I honestly feel like the Splinter Cell games do stealth better than Metal Gear. Like for Uh, the Metal Gear games being quote unquote stealth games, I've never had all that much success actually playing them as stealth games. Like
1: weirdly, like I don't even think about them as stuff by the, I mean, kind of by the time you got to Metal Gear Solid five, like stealth is, it's still an element, but it's not like... It's not the be all end all
0: you know? right because like, eventually they just sort of divulge into a series of crazy boss fights and things like that or you just get well equipped enough that you're just like yeah whatever I'm just gonna and to be
1: clear it. I love the weirdness of Metal oh, Gear Solid yeah, I no, absolutely totally. love it but like if you wanted like a more grounded approach like in the original Splinter Cell if I remember correctly the game ended if you got spotted. Right? Uh, like, there were some modes. There were a where... lot of
0: levels where that was the case. Right, yeah. So, like, um, and that, that really... was. not a core game mechanic, but it was an but a. But there were levels. parts where that and would that happen. And that could be very frustrating, but it also was very satisfying when you did things correctly. Yeah. And it, it was a game that really. Again, for the comparison to Metal Gear Solid, those games always have a lot of weird things that you can kind of try sure. to distract people. Like, you can, in Metal Gear Solid 3, you can, like, catch a snake and then throw it on someone to yeah. distract them, which as basically never, ever works and is basically just a weird way to kind of dick around. But, like, holy shit, what if it works? You know, yeah, it's and, kind of one of those things, yeah. And, but, like, Splinter Cell, like, those mechanics usually work. Like, you can pick up a rock... And throw the rock or a bottle and it shatters and the enemies walk over there and then you walk behind them. Yeah, And it was cool to have a game where it was literally like find a way past these enemies and have it look so good and be so polished.
1: I mean, the, the lighting effects were kind of the big deal when the first Splinter Cell mm-hmm. came out because that's what really makes it endure and what makes it look so good <laughs> and, now. And like
0: that's what gives it, really, that's the standout character from this game is Sam Fisher's night vision goggles. It is. <laughs> it's like more than the character himself, it's the those three-pronged green night vision goggles yeah the game actually i mean this game adopted it's essentially like the logo that they put over the splinter which is great Yeah, yeah i love that uh
1: you know so sam fisher he became kind of a major new character for a bit uh the game was a big critical and commercial success uh you know the the character was played by michael ironside who you might know from total recall or from scanners from a bunch of great things just a a very uh, gravelly-voiced, tough guy, Canadian actor who's really great, Um, you know, and he did a really good job with the character, and Mm -hmm. the series kind of took off and became kind of like an annual release for a little bit. Like, we got Pandora tomorrow, the next year, Chaos Theory came out the year after that, then we got a PSP-exclusive called Essentials, and uh, Double Agent came out a little bit after that, which was the first attempt at a more open-world structure.
0: And I feel like all of these games sold... Pretty well. Yeah. But I, I do think that this is something that we've encountered many times is eventually the yearly release schedule just gets diminishing returns. It does. And, yeah. And yeah. that's kind of where they were when Blacklist came out. It's like you move on to this next generation of consoles and you're like, okay, this is going to be the next big one. Right. But similar to like Tony Hawk or something, it's like people are like, yeah, we've seen it before.
1: We, I <laughs> like, mean, we saw that with, a, we did a Tony Hawk series on our Patreon and it was like, the games were pretty good for quite a while, yeah. but like it was less exciting every and time you yeah, pop one. Yeah, like in, it was cool to play
0: it on PS3 and stuff like that. But you're like, oh yeah, this game had very little impact because w- sort of yeah. Once the excitement of a new console generation comes around, it really takes a lot to people to get people excited about an older franchise. And it was one of the Splinter Cell kind of has
1: the same thing where like they sort of nailed the formula pretty early on. I think by Pandora Tomorrow when they added the multiplayer modes like. Mm-hmm. They kind of figured out what the best version of this game, yeah. and that was the second game. Yeah. and so with, same as with Tony Hawk, like as it gets more iterative, you're just adding tinier and tinier little tweaks. None that of start which to are feel, are
0: bad, not but, bad,
1: but they starting to feel a little sweaty. You yeah. know, like Tony Hawk Eight or something had uh, it slowed down time and let you manually flip your board around in different directions with your joysticks, which was again not bad, but like not necessary yeah, in any totally. way. I think that was kind of the response people gave to 2010's uh, Splinter Cell Conviction. So that one was trying to reboot the franchise a little bit, give it a little more of an action-forward approach. So I think the stealth elements were still very much a part of the game, but they were downplayed a little bit in favor of a faster-paced, more uh, action-heavy experience.
0: Which I'm sure, I'm sure that, that game is probably fun. Oh, I'm I sure would it's would probably great. enjoy it, but I feel like that's the kind of the point of Splinter Cell is how can you make this as unshooty as possible in yeah. some regards? Or just make the shooting... It's, like, all about positioning and movement and, hi, you know, hiding. That's what makes Splinter Cell, Splinter Cell. The, like the shooting
1: should be your last, like effort. It should yeah. be the last thing. It should be the thing you have tried. You do when you've tried everything else. Or when
0: you're lined up perfectly and you're like, okay, I'm going to take this shot. I'm going to get it in one. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there's just so many other games out there that are a third-person cover-based shooter.
1: Yeah, probably. yeah. No, I mean, yeah. there are a lot of those. I mean, you know, so for me personally, like, I was very all-in on the first two Splinter Cell games mm-hmm. and then I just sort of dropped off. And it right. wasn't anything the series did like, as far as I know. Like, I just... I don't know. I just dropped off on my stealth
0: uh, gameplay itself is as satisfying as it can be. It is a difficult thing to like really like I would be I would be surprised if I met someone who's like I'm really into stealth games and I like play every stealth game because. To, like stealth is fun when you get it in like little doses and it's like I've been yeah. playing all these action games and now I'm going to play something a little slower paced that requires me to think a little more. Yeah, a lot more focus. But I wouldn't required. go from like Tenchu to like Dishonored to Splinter Cell because no. you just get burned out in sort of having to slowly walk behind enemies.
1: Yeah, sometimes and- you'll just want to toss a devil may cry in there just <laughs> yeah. so you can like beat the shit out of a bunch of things really fast, you know, like, yeah, you, you got to break it up. And, I mean, from from reading the critical reviews, like, you know, the series really never got bad. You know, mm-hmm. Splinter Cell kind of stayed, maintained a high level of quality throughout. And, I mean, spoiler alert, I think it continues on to this game, mm-hmm. which is, to date, the seventh and final game in the franchise. Um, it's kind of crazy to think we have not had a new Splinter Cell game in almost ten years now. It's because very, this very really odd. felt like it was... I think part of the reason I tuned out of it is like, oh, okay, well, this is just going to be an annual series for the next 20 years. Like, this is the next Call of Duty. Like, I don't need to really
0: pay attention to it. Maybe that's what happened is that it just came out in a year where, like, for example, Call of Duty was having a big year and sort of the consciousness had shifted over there. And people are like, yeah, I'll just catch up on Splinter Cell later. Yeah, And the end result was that this game didn't sell nearly as many copies as Ubisoft wanted to sell.
1: No, but- no. Yeah, I think they just kind of uh, uh, petered out. And plus, you know, there are so many Tom Clancy games on the market and they kind of stand for a very specific like aesthetic that I think a lot of gamers are sort of drifting away from, you know, like we don't necessarily want hyper realism in our games anymore.
0: Well, the other thing too, is this is a trickier game to figure out a way to market as kind of a games as service, Mm -hmm. because like these games have always been, even though they have usually a pretty cool multiplayer mode thrown in there. To me, they're still like single player games first and foremost. Yeah. Something like the division is very much you know, based on online and I think has loop, loop mechanics and things like that. And that would be much harder to integrate into a uh, Splinter Cell game. Yeah. And so they're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, let's just focus. That That's the thing that's hard is... Companies just want to focus their energy on things that are recurring sources of income that they can keep the servers up and keep people buying, like, skins and things like that, and this kind of gameplay is not as conducive
1: to that. No, it really doesn't lend itself to it very well. I mean, the series still lives on in books. Uh, There was a series of Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell novels that, as we mentioned, were not written by Tom Clancy, and I imagine a lot of dads got hustled into buying that Mm -hmm. at the airport. Like... You know, but uh uh we we're getting a, a new Tom Clancy Splinter Cell book this year, mm. um, and it's going to be focusing on Sam Fisher's daughter, Sarah, and uh there have also been rumors that we're supposed to be getting a VR version of Splinter Cell, and I don't know. Fingers
0: crossed. Fingers that crossed. sounds
1: awesome. It was announced, but there hasn't really been any follow-up on that at all. This has been like three or four years now, so okay. it might take a while to develop, but... uh Hopefully something will come around because I'd like to see this series uh, come back in a new form. Would be
0: cool. Yeah, I mean, I think Hitman kind of had a moment last year um, as being pretty successful. So I think that I think that there's definitely people's appetites are wet for more Splinter Cell. I
1: think so. So part of the work for this uh, Wii U version was outsourced to Ubisoft Shanghai. Um, and sadly, this is the only game in the series to not feature the vocal stylings of Michael Ironside. Mm. Uh, he had to go to a party, Richter. You know, <laughs> he, he couldn't really make it. Well, no, I, sadly, he, he did have to bow out because he was diagnosed with prostate cancer, which he has beaten. Uh, he's still with us. Uh, good for him. So Eric Johnson was cashed as uh, Sam Fisher instead. And fans criticized the performance for being too young and for missing right. some of ironside's gravitas and and uh, as
0: a fan i will also make that same criticism because i asked you in the first level i mean is this a prequel no and
1: it's not that's the weird thing so like
0: it's not like the voice actor is bad by any means no 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 eric
1: johnson another you know kind of a a steady canadian actor who's just in a lot of stuff but he is 30 years younger than michael ironside he he would he would have been 32 here uh in this game he's like 42 now and like you know he he's he's not bad at all, but it is a little jarring when you're like, wait, is that Sam? Like they keep calling him Sam. Is this the same Sam? Right. Because like, the the character model looks different
0: too. Right. Uh, I mean, we don't you don't see really you see his model. You don't see the character model that much in the first. Few games because right. you're mostly just looking at his finely sculpted app ab- Sure. Butt. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Lots
1: of bending over. In this yeah. Game. No. Yeah.
0: He he. Him and Snake. They really they really have nice nicely defined backsides.
1: There's a mini game in both of these where you can flick quarters up their butt uh, <laughs> just to just to see him bounce.
0: Uh, but here you do see his his face a lot more often. Like yeah, in the original ones he would always have those night vision yeah. goggles over his head.
1: I I think <clears> kind of what they're doing is almost similar to what they did with the Jack Ryan movies, where like those movies follow the same continuity, but it goes Alec Baldwin when he's like in 1990, 1992, he turns into Harrison Ford. That's 20 years mm-hmm. older. And then in 2000, he turns into Ben Affleck, but it's younger than Baldwin. And then he turns into Chris Pine in there somewhere. And then John Krasinski, it's like they're, they're it's all the same character. And in, in the continuity, we're still going in the timeline it's yeah. still moving, but we're not bouncing around. Uh, so I don't but know I think it's just embracing that kind of Tom Clancy yeah, thing
0: I can see that it is just very odd though because it's really a whole different demeanor than he usually has that's just not explained
1: no yeah it, it, I, I appreciate that they just plowed through and they're like oh I'm glad your facial reconstruction surgery was a <laughs> success Sam Fisher Um, So, plot-wise, at the end of the last game, uh, the third echelon, which is the ultra-secret covert ops branch of the NSA that Sam Fisher has been working for the entire series, it was shut down for good. Uh, And two years later, the the third echelon's most deadly operative, Sam Fisher, is working for a private security firm. So, while he's out on a standard security mission, his unit is attacked and nearly wiped out by members of a terrorist cell calling themselves the Engineer's. And the engineers demand is that all U.S. soldiers in every country and every base need to be withdrawn, Mm -hmm. uh, which would leave all of those locations very vulnerable. Um, And if they don't (laughs) do that, then they're going to be getting like random attacks over the next like once a week uh, for the until their demands are met.
0: And this is something that I like generally. I mean, I, I haven't played a ton of these Tom Clancy games, but this is something that I like about his brand usually is that it doesn't necessarily feel like a gung-ho like America like America first like mentality in the sense yeah. that like the fact that America has military bases like strewn all over the world isn't necessarily a great thing. It's not. No. Um and so to be like, hey, here is this other side that is making an effort to like try and make America scale back its influence. Right. But then you as Sam Fisher are like, okay, I mean I have to play the side that I'm on and this is my role. Yeah. I, I, I just appreciate that of like, they give these people an actual, they're not just like we're going to attack you every 7 days cuz we're evil and we hate your freedom. Like.
1: Right. They- yeah. I mean there you know there is kind of a ging- jingoistic sort of like uh uh skin over this series and kind of everything that Tom Clancy sure. does, but I think there are shades of gray in the in the story here, Yeah, totally. You know, like yeah.
0: the infor- or the what what's their name? The engineers. The engineers. Yeah. Like this meant to, this motivation seems to be rooted in something real as opposed to we need to come up with some bullshit video game villains. Yeah. And it, it I mean it's also a very exciting premise that they would then stage a new attack every week because you puts you on this very tight clock. Right. And the, the attacks are kind of like very unclearly labeled like attack on consumption or something right, like that. Something and like you're, that, you're yeah. very curious like, okay, what's that attack going to be? Where are they going <gasps> to blow up
1: a Walmart? Yeah, like, yeah <laughs> exactly. we don't know. Yeah, we have no idea. So the president recruits Sam Fisher to be the new spy master for the fourth echelon, which is a new covert ops uh, team to stop the engineer threat. Uh, This is the first time that Sam's been in charge of a team in the entire series, which is kind of a cool way to flip it. Uh, the team here includes a uh, computer hacker nerd named Charlie. There's kind of the uh, the girl in the chair, as they as they dubbed it in Spider Man, um, uh, Anna, Anna Grimm's daughter. She's yeah. a cool Icelandic name. I feel
0: like there's definitely implications of a history between her and Sam, because and, of course,
1: because of course. And then Isaac Briggs is the new guy. He's kind of the weapons specialist, and he uh, is the character you control when you play co op missions in this game. So it's it's Sam and Isaac. Okay, um, and like. I, I don't think we missed out on too much by, like, skipping from 2 to 7 in the series here. Like, uh, you know, that, there's a character in the beginning who gets injured, and, like, that's supposed to be Sam's sort of motivation for wanting revenge on the engineers, and I didn't really understand that relationship. He's apparently appeared in some games before, I but mean, uh, otherwise, I, I, well, I kind of get it, you know.
0: Yeah, and I feel like these series, like, the story does play a big role in these games, but essentially it all kind of boils down to the same general aesthetic and general talking points yeah and for as cool as like sam's equipment and look usually is i don't think he's a particularly compelling ca- like i don't need to know what's going on in his personal
1: uh, no life. no you know he's he's a very focused uh good at his job kind of professional guy
0: you yeah know? yeah exactly so i think that this if you haven't played splinter cell in a while you'd be fine to just pick this guy up
1: so I mean the the core gameplay of Splinter Cell hasn't really changed much to or uh, well I don't know I guess it's I guess it's changed a decent I mean, amount it's first, a little more forgiving
0: yeah the first game very much was just kind of you're in a lot of corridors yeah that was a reason that one of the reason that game looks so good is because like the environments you could actually move around and interact with were all quite small yeah. and, and focused and here they're really opened up like and again this is neither of us have played like games four through six in right. the series. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I, I stopped after the third game. But yeah. really in the second and third game and beyond, they sort of f- sought to open up the environments more. The first game's always pretty dark. Yeah. And here, like, there's parts where you're just running through, like, bright sunlight. Yeah, yeah. And have yeah. to sneak through. Um, and I think it's just generally the main improvements seem to be on the way Sam moves. Yeah. Um, yeah like in, you, the,
1: in the original game, like, it was very, very sensitive about... Uh, measuring your footfalls Mm -hmm. and about registering sound like I remember like there were there was some type like I just got engrossed in that game because you're holding your breath and moving incredibly slowly through these areas and just hoping and hoping this guy doesn't turn around you know like that was kind of the thrill of those games and And it it
0: really worked well but it could also be very tedious tedious and especially I think here I think they make the right choice of like enemies You can get close to them, and they won't turn right around for hearing you. And even if they do see you, there's like a half a second or something where they kind of have to process what's going on before they shoot at you. You don't just instantly fail or something like that. And that usually gives you enough time to grab them. And Sam has the ability to – you can just look at the cover ahead of you, and he'll press a button, and he'll run and – Uh, hide there the game does i think a very good job of always having a lot of button prompts to make it clear what does what
1: yeah but which i appreciate and and not in not an intrusive way either i think it it blends pretty well into the gameplay
0: there's some really clever little bits where they're like it will just show tell you the name of your it'll tell you your mission objective like pasted to the wall as you go around the corner which
1: i weirdly love that yeah. when movies and games do that when they find see a the creative new suicide way suicide squad yeah the show, it's yeah it's like yeah. a
0: major major runner in that movie was like what, what are all the weird ways we can put new chapter titles in the scene love it yeah, love
1: it even it when fun. it doesn't make sense like that show fringe would have just like big block letters like for every city <laughs> that you're on that looks like a physical part of the environment and i'm like i'm here for it i love it they yeah. keep doing that it's great uh, you know, but it really, like, the the basic idea of Splinter Cell is still intact here. You're supposed to try and crouch and be as stealthy and sneaky as possible, clear out these areas. It's much more mission-based um, rather than, like, kind of one long— Well, I guess the original was pretty mission-based, yeah. too. But you have a hub. Yeah, like, you keep going back to this uh, uh, high-tech uh, plane called the Paladin, and that's where you can select missions. You can choose to do either solo missions or co-op, which sadly was only online, so we didn't get to play— uh, big bummer. I was looking forward to playing some co-op Splinter yeah,
0: Cell. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe it makes sense, and because I do imagine that split-screen Splinter Cell would be pretty annoying. It's a game that really benefits on you being able to see the whole environment. Yeah. But I wish that local was just an option in there.
1: But. Same with uh, the multiplayer mode. They brought back Spies versus Mercs, which is kind of the, the most famous multiplayer mode. I think that was only in Pandora tomorrow, or... or
0: I think it was in Chaos Theory. It was in Chaos really, Theory 2. I, yeah.
1: I think, but it had been absent from the last couple of games. Games. Okay, So it was kind of a big deal for it to come back. And, and just
0: to be clear for those that's like an asymmetric gameplay mechanic where yeah. I think the Mercs actually play in a first person shooter perspective yeah. and the Spies is like traditional Splinter Cell so they have the advantage of stealth um, so that you can It works really well, because, like, in a first-person mode, you can't see behind you, Yeah. so it gives the spies a little bit of advantage, but then the mercs have the advantage of just being able to unload a clip very quickly. Exactly.
1: It was a really pretty groundbreaking, like, multiplayer mode for the time. Like, it was very cool. Like, you didn't see a lot of asymmetrical uh, multiplayer modes back then, but uh, it was really cool. I remember getting very into that mode. Uh, But sadly, only online, and, of course, the Wii U servers do not
0: work anymore. And, again, I mean, I'm sure if you played this on PlayStation 3, there would be be the only people left would just annihilate you oh i'm like, sure who yeah. else is even on
1: there i mean so yeah yeah, like uh, they they paired things back from conviction where it's not quite as run and gunny and it is more uh stealth is your goal here yeah. but you do have the option to kind of run and gun and do your cover shooting if you're in a pinch uh you die very easily as, as well you, you should as you as well you should uh, but if you're a skilled gunman, uh, you can probably get out of the situation if you get caught.
0: And the game rewards you whenever you get a silent kill; you get like this little fill-up on a meter. And I, if you get four of them, you can do an execution. Which there was another game we played somewhat recently that had a very similar mechanic to
1: was this. That Did that that like was that Devil's Third? Maybe that was Devil's Third. I'm forgetting, I know,
0: but I it, I remember this, but um. The advantage then is when that execution meter is full, as you're going through the level, you can mark enemies similar mm-hmm. to Metal Gear Solid 5, which I like a lot because yeah. it keeps an arrow over their head, so even if um, they're not directly in your line of sight, you can see them. Yeah,
1: especially for a game without a mini-map or like a yeah. radar or anything. It
0: works really well. Yeah. And then the advantage is um, if those enemies get close enough to you, that mark over them will turn red, Yeah. and then you can activate your execution which will just automatically land you a headshot. And if you have, like, multiple marked enemies within range and press execution, you just take out three guys at once. It's great. It's yeah, really it, satisfying. It's very satisfying. For, like, a
1: one-button thing where you're not aiming or doing anything, it is just very, very satisfying to just clear a room that way.
0: And it works really well because it's still... You still need to be stealthy to kind of and find a clear spot to get those shots lined up. Yeah. And, and as I was reading some of the reviews of this game, they said there was a criticism that this game was too easy. I like this game being easy.
1: Yeah, I'm okay I, with it. I yeah. mean, to be—I don't know—we that makes me feel bad about sure. my
0: skill for this game because we were dying a
1: lot. But we were, like, yeah. Uh, the opening mission weirdly was much harder than the actual game because yeah, like it the, really throws you in the um,
0: pre-cutscene mission. It doesn't make it clear quite where you need to go.
1: Right. Yeah. From the so that's where we got hung up the most. Right. But uh, once you get into the game, it's a little more generous with you. But uh Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it being easy. Like, a Splinter Cell was kind of an intimidatingly, uh, challenging game. Like, not, not impossibly hard, it just took a lot of focus and it took a lot of planning and some careful consideration, uh, and, and I'm not saying you don't have to do that here no. but it does kind of decentralize that part of it a little bit and it's faster paced which is very nice yeah
0: and I yeah I totally think that that works well
1: so like at the end of each level you get graded based on how you approach the stage so you could either get ghost which means you were stealthy the entire time mm. you can get panther which means you were uh, aggressive stealthy which is a, a term I like and mm-hmm. assault which is just straight up aggressive <laughs> that's when you're just running and gunning your whole way through which
0: honestly seems like it would be the hardest way to do it yeah, it, with, yeah. with this speed at which enemies like can surround and kill you
1: there was uh some controversy surrounding conviction because there are some scenes in there where you need to take part in quote-unquote advanced interrogation uh uh, which is torture um and in those games it was mandatory and you had to participate in them and those scenes appear here but they're just cut scenes now yeah it's not forcing you to become part of the the situation in a really unpleasant way yeah Um, yeah, so I, I think they, they took the feedback on that.
0: I mean, that is, again, it will will sort of reinforce what I said earlier of like, this game is sort of aware of many of the flaws that exist in, you know, the, the defense of our country and really any country.
1: And I I think making it a cutscene like might or making it an interactive mini game might glamorize it a little too much, might make it seem like, Oh, this is fun. Like, but a cutscene is a little bit more effective to convey the point that they're trying to make yeah. with that. Uh, we didn't really encounter any of those, but no. um, you know, I, I was I was really really enjoying what's here. It's fun to play. It's a lot of fun to play, and I was I was intrigued by what else we can do. You know, this is uh, the umpteenth Wii U game that just uses the touch screen as like an inventory. But again, mm-hmm. I'm not mad about that. Like I like having a way to quickly see your items and it's not like you're tapping a button to cycle through your whole armory until you find what you need.
0: And this game does a thing that we have complained about before where they before the level you have to pick your loadout of items. Yeah. Here I don't mind it as much in the sense that these games are very kind of gadget and tech based. Yeah. And they do make you want to explore the different items and like Really, if you just have a noisemaker and a gun, you're going to get a silenced gun. You get by fine. Yeah. And so I'm not going to have any regrets if I bring something I didn't really end up needing.
1: It's not like in the some of the early Batman games where they're like making you buy the shit that you don't know if you're going to use it yeah. at all.
0: Or like you don't. Yeah. It does offer that, it, a very, very strange uh, thing, though, that's like really I think about for all games like RPGs where they're like, you you are the hero of time. Yeah. You must go out and save our world from this calamity that will end it. Oh, you want the sword? 2,000 rubies. <laughs> and you're like, just give me the damn sword. You told yeah, me I got to go save the you world. The, you established the stakes. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, Why are you still watching
1: your bottom line? Yeah. Capitalism is eating Hyrule.
0: Yeah, and that that very much is the case here. They're like, okay, in seven days, there'll be another attack on an undisclosed area, and only you can stop it. Oh, you want uh, you want smoke bombs? Uh, that's that's five grand. Yeah, five grand for each smoke that's bomb. That's out of
1: your own pocket. pocket. Pocket pocket government employee. (laughs) Like, I don't I don't know what to tell you. You gotta look for flashing for like flash drives full of NFTs or something, I guess. I don't know what exactly those were. No, but I was very intrigued to play some more of this. Like there there were some long, long cuts or load times between like going to your hub and going to the mission start. But when you're in the game and when you die, it restarts very quickly. Yes, that
0: is definitely a trade I will make. I'm okay with that. The cutscene was outrageously long.
1: <laughs> my dog just turned on the tv with his
0: butt <laughs> it was quite an impressive feat um i believe there was a two minute cutscene to exit the main level um but yeah like you said it's only about five ten seconds between when you die and when yeah. you restart that was crazy Quantum just turned on the l word <laughs> i don't know what you're
1: doing without me around dog i didn't think that kind of show would appeal to you but sure. okay all right um, yeah yeah no exactly like uh I don't know i, I was really excited but kind of by by everything that this game did like i'm I'm really eager to dig a little yeah, bit I deeper was, into it
0: another criticism i read about this game is that the game does the graphics are bad but this game looked fine I thought it looked great yeah i mean and
1: we're playing it on the system where it's most likely to look bad you know yeah. like maybe it looks better on the ps3 or the 360 but I thought it looked great
0: yeah you could see everything you needed to see the environments were you know well lit and
1: yeah I don't know no I, I wish I could have had some hands-on time with some of the multiplayer and with the uh, the co op, but uh, uh, you know, even with just like the solo experience here, I'm excited about this game. I want to dig more into it. Yeah, totally. Uh, I want to keep playing. And
0: uh, it's good to know that there is that Splinter Cell, even though it's kind of a dead franchise at this point. I'm yeah. sure it will make a comeback. Any, yeah, I yeah, I'm
1: sure it's due for one. It's due for
0: one. If you if you find yourself um, being like, gee, I really kind of miss Splinter Cell, go. Play some blacklist because yeah. it's, it's fun.
1: It's good. And and yeah, you don't worry about it being the last one in a series if you've missed a few. Like you'll be able to pick up on it. It's a new Sam, so maybe that'll help a little bit That's with true. the transition, you know, if you're not used to the Michael Ironside version. Uh, but Ironside rules may he live a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, let's move on to our rankings yeah. for uh for the game today. Uh each week we are ranking the games that we have just played. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. All right. I'm putting
0: this in number nine, which nine. is right ahead of Mass Effect 3. Very nice. Um, I mean, I know Mass Effect 3 is a good game. This game is a little more my style in yeah. terms of being a little more linear. Um. And I think that it was comfortable to play on the Wii U, uh felt good and I was be- I was both interested in the story and enjoyed playing the game. Yeah. So like what else what else do you need? Exactly. Yeah, I
1: I'm I'm with you. I'm a little lower. I'm I'm going at number uh 15, okay. which is just below Twilight Princess and just above Arkham Origins. Mm-hmm. Uh good company to be in, Definitely. I think. Um yeah, this was very solid. Like, you know, some of the load times and things like that uh made it, it dragged it down a little bit. But like you said, there's a decent trade-off here. And uh I was interested in the story. I was interested to see where the plot went, and I really enjoyed the gameplay. I think this one's solid. Solid recommend. Uh cool. We got some letters. Well got some letters to get into.
0: Uh, that's the advantage. We should take two week long breaks more often. Get those yeah, letters at let, the let kind of build Let them crew.
1: Uh, The first one starts, season's greetings, Steve Woody, in 2022. Yes. Uh, Our third guest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying your time off. As a public school teacher, I, too, am kicking my feet up for a couple (sighs) weeks. And as always, your backlog is keeping me company. <laughs> I wanted to give you particular props for your infamous all-star baseball episode. Is that infamous? Oh,
0: oh that, was, yeah. that, was our Im- that was our improvised one. Uh, well, well that, just to be clear, Steve, they're all improvised. Well, we, don't, yes. we don't write out the script. That was the one where we had uh, tremendously irritating announcer voices for great. the duration of the show.
1: I haven't listened back to it. I wonder if it's horrible.
0: <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's horrible.
1: Just, when I realized you were going to do that the entire <laughs> recording in character as MLB commentators, I very nearly hit skip, but I'm so glad I didn't. Highlights include a vulgar celebrity cameo from Winona Ryder, the Cracker Jack song during the premature seventh inning stretch, and Josiah Coolidge, hot, Coolidge's hot take that 9/11 being a thing that happened that made very few people happy. I do remember that. That was funny. Um, I was dying of laughter nearly the entire time. So much so that I feel the need to return the favor. Search YouTube for the most bizarre Game Boy franchise ever. I think Steve will find this episode of The Game Show particularly interesting as it dives deep into a topic you touched upon in Charlie Blast territory episode. As always, thank you for the free smiles. You guys are the gift that keeps on giving, and that's from J-Mo.
0: Thanks, j Thank you, j I'm glad I, that that episode had some laughs in it. That's good. I, yeah, thank it was you very for doing our, our, our hard work of re-listening to that episode.
1: <laughs> I did look up that okay, video. Cool. Uh, the, the franchise it's covering, which I agree is very bizarre the way it played out, is uh, the Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle series. Oh, which yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll remember it's like, depending on the region and the system, is an entirely different IP. Like, there's nine different series attached to it. So it's Bugs Bunny in one country. then it turns into Mickey Mouse. then it turns into Woody Woodpecker. then it's Ghostbusters. then it's Garfield. and then it's something else. like wow. it's, it's so like it's
0: all the same game. It's just sort of identical re-skin. game
1: identical game every time. It's a crazy castle is just you walk upstairs, you go indoors, you push weights. It's very simple like burger time level kind of puzzle platforming, but it's just a different character and everything. So it was a funny video. i I would check that out. So thank you, Jmo. We appreciate that. Uh, this next one starts, hello and happy new year. Happy new year. I've been following your Wii U episodes with interest and enjoying them, even though I was initially concerned I wouldn't find them as fun as the N64, given that, my lack of affinity for we, the Wii worry. U. Don't worry, we were concerned about that too. We were too, <laughs> yes. The Wii U is actually the first Nintendo console I didn't buy. It just didn't appeal to me, but fate still conspired to get me one. Years ago, a colleague of mine was moving back to Australia from the UK and decided he couldn't be bothered to ship any of his stuff. We were in a large open office, and a week before he left, he stood up with a piece of paper and announced that he would be giving away a bunch of things. He started reading off a list of items. The first was his giant TV, and before I realized what was going on, someone shouted, me, me, Mm -hmm. and it was gone. Up next was his Wii U, complete with a bunch of games. Dead silence. (laughs) I'll take it, I said. More to spare Nintendo any embarrassment than because I actually wanted one. Fast forward a few days, and I traded in all of his awful games. Dance, Dance, Whatever, Rockstar, Bonanza, Other Rubbish. For Wind Waker, Oh, we Twilight... haven't played
0: Other Rubbish Yeah, that, that, that one's good. I'm excited for that,
1: yeah. Uh, for Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, and Bayonetta 2. Nice. I finished the first two for the second time, but not Bayonetta. I never really understood the correlation between the buttons I pressed and the action on screen. <laughs> cool Fair. aesthetic, though. That pretty much sums up my Wii U experience, and I have wondered if I'd missed anything on, uh, missed out on any great experiences. Thankfully, your show and everything good being ported to the Switch has shown me that probably not. <laughs> uh, thanks for wading through. what seems to be a pretty mediocre library with good humor and saving us all the trouble. It's a great listen. I've also got a question for you. As I've got a bit more time over the holidays... I was wondering if you have any podcast recommendations. I'm already a happy Patreon of yours, so uh, I'm happy on that train, which I also highly recommend. Keep doing what you're doing, and have a great break. And that is from Mike. Thanks, Thank you, Mike. Mike. That was a funny story. I feel bad. <laughs> the, the, the I feel silence. bad for the Wii U in that office. Yeah, nobody, nobody <laughs> well, wants no, it.
0: Who even knows what that thing is. Uh, do you have any podcast recommendations? Is, have you the sure. most to anything lately? Yeah. Um, I'll. D- I go through kind of phases where I just only want to listen to one podcast at a time and everything else just seems a little weird. Yeah. Um. I mean, my my favorite podcast is The Flophouse, yeah. which I honestly, I don't know if you... The Flophouse has somehow gotten less interesting in the newer episodes. I don't know if there's some sort of dearth in their energy. They seem to talk about the movie more, okay. which I don't like. I like it when they I just... I like it when they riff. <laughs> yeah. Really, just really dick around as long as they... So I'd start like... Go episode hundred of the flop house and just go from there. Yeah, um, another movie podcast that I mean certainly doesn't need a plug from us is uh, Blank Check. That's which, yeah, which my, that's really probably funny. my favorite right now. And you yeah. you actually watch along with the
1: movie. I watch along, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, if, if you're into more movie podcasts, I would say uh, I really like with Gorley and Rust. Okay, uh, Matt Gorley and Paul mm-hmm. Rust. They're covering horror movie franchises, but it's like. The sweetest, most easygoing, relaxing horror movie conversation okay. ever with like two very nice men who take a very long time, usually twice as long as the movie. Wow!
0: Who just lay it out and be silly. Also, if you're interested in uh, a great podcast by a guest from the show, check out Jordan Jesse Go, yes. um, which is a very funny podcast of just two guys and a guest just kind of dicking around, and they're both super funny. Absolutely.
1: And if you're in the more of the gaming sphere, you know we've we've stumped for Video Game Apocalypse mm-hmm. many times. We are on there uh best of the year episodes both uh, a two-parter and we're on both of them uh so yeah it's uh, definitely download that give them some support uh all the other laser time shows 30 20, 10, and things like that all great and finally serial uh listen to serial uh season uh one yeah yeah only good one
0: <laughs> uh, fair actually three was pretty good in s town right S-Town. Those, those, those are our podcasts that we pitched that no one's ever heard of <laughs> no one's heard of that one yeah but there are there are reasons that those are good yeah no they, they are there for sure.
1: Uh, One last letter here. Hey Woody and Steve, I just wanted I want to join your Patreon for those sweet sounding Metroid Contra and James Bond retrospectives.
0: Those are sweet ones.
1: But y'all are currently sitting at four twenty a month, and I don't want to be the one to break that very nice number. Mm. Can you ask your other listeners to join the Patreon so I'm not the bad guy? And that's from Vince. I think the solution that we really need to get to here is we need to get it up to forty two thousand and sixty nine
0: dollars. Okay. So then we got a four twenty sixty nine, and then everybody's so happy. we're saying you are the problem, Vince, and you need to you need to <laughs> pledge. 4,000 whatever that math is to get us to 4,000 there we go there we go $69 I, I, I,
1: I saw on the account that Vince has since signed up so we appreciate okay. it thank you so much he, Vince, he, thank so you what, everybody. we're
0: no longer at 420 we are no longer at 420 I think we're at 425 or something so somebody like that, needs so. to drop get out, of, no, no. Get out <laughs> of there no no no
1: no we just need thousands more Yeah. Um, so that is all for us this week. Uh, be sure to tune in next week when we are playing a game. What game is that going to be? Uh, I'm looking at the title and it isn't helping me. Uh, it's called Legend of K Anniversary. So uh, the 10-year the anniversary of a game I've never heard of uh, commemorated on the Wii U. Legend of K
0: Anniversary? It's got a tiger on it. Oh, is like, it? It's not it's not themed. It's not K jewelers themed. And like you <laughs> like go and buy fancy jewelry for your anniversary. Every kiss begins with this that, game. That's uh, what I hear. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's apparently it's some kind of Kung Fu Tiger game that I have never in my life heard of. But it, it uh, earned an anniversary edition. So somebody out there must this, care about it. this
0: case. The back of this case somehow looks like it was just printed off. Oh, uh, yeah, it's I very made this.
1: I was trying to keep it cool. I made this game oh, myself okay, in, got my, it.
0: in my basement. So, uh, yeah, tune in next week when we play this game that Steve apparently made.
1: Yeah, so. it's going to be good. All right, we'll see you later. I'm creeping out of here. Crouch, crouch, crouch. <laughs>